Hey, dude. Hey, bro. How you doing? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Dude, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, can I tell about my morning so far? Sure. Uh, the right side of my face is swollen. Mm. Like, in pain. And I pulled my back. Mm. So, I, like, literally, I was... I had to take a bath at like two in the morning because I couldn't sleep. Mm. And then of course I don't find this my phone this morning. So sorry for all those annoying excuses. Just mm. on my fucking day so far. Why do you think you uh, had swollen face and uh, pulled back muscle? I don't want this to come true. Just from past experience, I might have a dental infection. Mm. Yeah, I definitely don't want to deal with like healthcare right now. Um, not just cost, but just like going to a healthcare place in the current situation, you know, with a lot of sick people Yeah. to, you know, to dance ops or whatever. Um, so I'm really hoping not. So I'm honestly, I'm kind of tripping out because I've had dental issues in the past mm. and they're very painful, very expensive. And they just fuck up everything, you know? Mm. And have you had the same, um, things happen to you as far as swollen face and back, back pain? Has that resulted in dental issues in the past? I mean, the back pain, not necessarily. Mm. I mean, as you, you probably have some awareness of like Chinese medicine, right? Mm -hmm. So in Chinese medicine, the, the teeth are very important and they rule parts of the body. Mm. And they also like the back is connected to the mouth mm -hmm. as the feet are connected. So I'm not hundred percent sure. It is weird that my back is like super pained right now. It is mm. weird. Um, I mean, it's fucking terrible. It's like a, you know, like pulled it. So like I said, I had to take a hot bath at two in the morning and uh, my fucking face is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm cussing so much, so much pain. Uh, it's just crazy. And then of course I can't think straight and I put my phone in my fucking laundry for some stupid reason. Mm. Couldn't find it. I can't hear it because it's a bunch of, around a bunch of clothes. So that would result in me being 30 minutes late and give me a bunch of excuses. So sorry. After the shower, did your pain go away or did it still stay the same? It is better. It didn't completely disappear. It was much better. I had to soak it for like 30 plus minutes. Hot water? Yeah. I normally don't do that because hot before bed tends to wake up the body. Mm -hmm. Like hot drinks are okay. Hot, like cold baths are better uh, to lower the body temperature. Um. So, you know, it was kind of a mental mm. fight. Like, should I do this? You know, so I just try to go to bed. Should I take a hot bath and then risk also not going to sleep? Because now I'm all warm. But yeah, back is, I would say, like 80% improved. Mm. Still, it hurts. It's not pain-free. Well, yeah, why, why did you not meditate? I'm sorry? Meditation. Like, meditation would, would help the pain a little bit. I did meditate. Right, and did it help? I mean, to be honest, I probably did too short of a meditation. Yeah. I did How long did you meditate? 10 minutes. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, for my experience and my experience, I'll just tell you, when I have a pulled back muscle or any pulled muscle, if I meditate for an hour, I, I my back kind of feels much, much better. Wow. Yes. 100% proven from my experiences with me. Because, you know, I have scoliosis, so... When I meditate for an hour, 
if I have any sort of, and listen, I get it because I've done acupuncture before uh, when I, you know, when it's really bad. But the other day, actually, last week, I had a, I woke up with a pulled muscle. You know, sometimes you wake up with a pulled muscle and you're like, oh my God, that's the worst. Because mm-hmm. you just, you almost cannot even move. To one little movement, you get that sharp pain throughout your back and your body. Um, but I got on my couch and I meditated for an hour and I felt 100x better. Wow. Yeah, it's weird, man. One, one, and I think this is that chicken and the egg paradox mm. of meditation is if you're not doing it enough, it becomes less available to you when you need it. Mm. Like last night, I just couldn't even comprehend doing an hour meditation. Mm. I mean, most times, most people can't. And most times I can't either because I'm like an hour. Are you kidding me? But I only really do an hour when I'm two things. When I have like stress back or some muscle pull, I'll do an hour. And or when I'm super stressed, when I'm ruminating a lot or when I'm super stressed, I'll be like, okay, you, you got to do an hour. You got to do an hour. And I'll do an hour and I just feel... I can tell too, because like at 45 minutes, like it's amazing because literally at 45, 46 minutes, I'll sometimes look at the clock and be like, yep, it's 46 minutes because at 45 minutes, something happens to my brain, my pineal gland, something happens to it where it's almost like a rush of just all the stress that goes away. A lot of it goes away from my body, my pain body. Um, but when you said the back pain, the first thing I thought about it was, okay, what's your mental state? Why do you have back pain? Wow. First right. thing I thought about, I didn't think about, you know, you sleeping awkwardly. I didn't think about, or maybe you pulled a muscle working out. The first thing I thought about is like, why does he have back pain? What's he going through mentally? What's the rumination about? What's, what's, what's something he has to let go of? Just totally the Sarno approach. Yes. All right. Well, are you, am I, oh, are you in the space where you can hear it? Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, that's, that's funny. Even I didn't connect it. I'm kind of mad at myself or I am upset with myself. Like it's a continuation of what I said last week. Mm. Uh, I'm, it just like hit me. I think part of it was um, my real estate software has a way of computing how much money I would have made if mm. I'd closed all the data that I inputted. Mm. Right. <laughs> and so it's going back to currency swami so your 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 fingers on the pulse here and yeah as you as we've talked about we both have our emotional blocks with this i'm pretty upset that i could have earned like eighty thousand dollars this year and didn't minimum mm. if i closed like the three transactions that i was engaged in mm. let me uh, ask you this question by may please what was your intention going into this year of how much money you want to earn on a minimum. What was my intention going into this year? Going into 2020, did you have a set goal of I'm earning $80,000 and that's it. And I don't care what anything happens. I'm earning $80,000. No, I did not have a set numerical goal. Go. So you pretty much sort of was like a, just went into the woods and hoping if things work out, they work out. That's what you were sort of going through. I had very little in terms of a plan and uh, sticking to it. Yes. Got it. Yeah. Meaning I reaped what I sowed. (laughs) Exactly. That that makes sense. So um, yeah, I do that. That that's a bummer, man. I mean, just that mindset and that calculation. If 
that's like going through anything in life and just looking at a software and saying you could have done this. That's like me going through like a software and, and all the dates that haven't worked out comes up and saying like, <laughs> oh my God, you could have hooked up with 10 girls, but you didn't. And now it, you're single we, still. We should work this. Why are you recording this? Well, I was going to do an interview. All right. Well, I don't well, know I if my back. Are, I can just erase all this stuff. Okay, I was like, my back pain doesn't need to be part of the interview. Does. Yeah, well, none of this has. I'm just, you know, I didn't know when we were going to start, so I just recorded it because if I don't record, I might forget. That's fair. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, I was going to say what you just said is so funny. We should use that like in a podcast. Yeah. I think this is a cool story uh, you know, to add some humor to. Well, what is the intention of having a software like that? Is it to show realtors, hey, listen, this is your goal, or this is what you could have made. This is what you didn't make. And this is how you can improve on your skills. Is that what the goal of that software is? I think everything but the last part. Got it. It's just software. So in terms of improving on your skills, those are what you'd call soft human type skills. Yeah. This is more like, this is just numbers. This was about the property. This was listed as, this is what it closed at. This is the, you know, it's just computing all these things, the commission, for each yeah. side, what goes to the broker and what ends up in the realtors. Uh, now, are realtors, when you work for a company, a realtor company, let's say you work for like Compass is a real estate company. If I work for Compass, am I a contractor or do I have a boss? As a real estate agent, you are an independent contractor. Correct. Real, okay. Realty offices do have paid employees, staff, support mm. staff, who can be realtors. They are often not functioning as realtors right they're like training or got it computer support stuff like that and they can have a real estate license and they can even do real estate activities other than that the vast majority of people you meet who identify with the brokerage are independent contractors right got it so this software is actually just so this software is not for like corporate or bosses to look at their employees and say listen Swami, you didn't, you know, close X, Y, and Z. So you have a warning now. We have to look at if you're going to make money or you're not going to make money. This is for an individual case by case, person by person to see where they are, see where they were and see sort of what worked and what didn't work. You know, that's a good point. I had not thought of it that way. Uh, in terms of like a clear hierarchy, you know, we have a team leader, we have people we essentially report to them. I think with our brokers, Carl Williams is very, it's, it's very um, introductory. Mm. It's a place where a lot of realtors start. So it's not like Compass or I don't know if you remember APR, Alain Pinnell, yeah. when we grew up. Those are like very high powered, very competitive type environments. So no, mm -hmm. that said, since I have hired a coach, she may be able to essentially get access to that. And talk about that with me like hey you had three transactions that you were a part of none of them closed yeah what happened? that's great what's well, great because she has data to look at and she could say listen this this what happened here what happened here what happened here the great thing with that is in every one of those data points you could explain to her what happened there might be a commonality be between all three of them which is why you're not closing that's true and also i should add and this is new for me, there's a spreadsheet that I fill out every week where I type in how many people I've called, how many text messages I've sent, how many times I used mm -hmm. our other software to like 
add contacts, all that stuff. Mm. So it's in terms of accountability, this is like a big step for me. Got it. Your accountability is huge, man. I mean, it's enormous. How's your face doing today? Uh, well, I mean, I've been putting like, you know, like dental paste. Mm. My lymph node is swollen. Mm. So like, the, it's not just the jaw, excuse me. It's not just the gum, it's the jaw. Mm. Uh, sucks, bro. <laughs> like not in a good mood. Dude, that's too bad. Uh, that's too bad. Well, I mean, glad you did it. You're doing the podcast at least, even for a little bit. Uh, at least we could talk about it. George Soros, interesting guy, man. I mean, I haven't read too much about him, but I need to read about it. Have you read his book? No. Okay, I haven't either. I wonder what he says about the mindset, if he has any, like, rules or um, uh, any, any different things to do. I'll probably read the chapter on dental pain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing that matters. So, it's just, so this a podcast is going to be... Um, so let me just sort of give you the purpose of this podcast and let me tell you why I want to do it. Um, so I was thinking about what I could do next for writing a book. Like I was, you know, I did a cookbook before where I did seven mantras, seven recipes. Okay. That's cool. Can I do something unique? Um, and I decided that, oh, maybe I'll just do religions and food. And that just became, because I'm taking a Buddhism class right now, and that just became, well, maybe I'll just do religions. Like, and so I interviewed some lady that, uh, about Judaism. I want to interview about Sikhism, because I'm actually kind of curious about Sikhism and uh, my Indian culture. I have someone else who's going to do Hinduism, and I think my teacher might do Buddhism. So I'm sort of going from step to step. My purpose is really to learn about religion and the different religions and the history behind them and why people got into their religion themselves. Cool, man. Uh, my question is, if I don't feel like I was very strong, can we at least record some of it later? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you, I mean, would you prefer just not recording today or what? There's a spirit of me that's like, keep pushing forward no matter what. Yeah. Like if I, if I, cancel today i'm gonna feel even worse got it right especially since we're having this conversation around follow-through and like accountability yeah i feel bad that was 30 minutes late like all these things went again another sunday where everything went wrong isn't that weird yeah Remember last week was the same thing what happened last sunday there's a bunch of shit just pissed me off oh yeah yeah uh and i yeah everything just like fell apart yeah it's got to be connected to the work energy man because saturday you know i'm working and then sunday carries over yeah i mean we don't have to do the really yeah let's just let's just do it let's just have fun let's just fuck around and then we could do it again if we have to um next week or something sounds good dude thank you so much for the insight uh i really appreciate that yeah about around the back that. yeah man it's yeah. it's again one of those funny ironies where it's easy to see clarity in someone else's life yeah and just immediately understand what's going on and just give simple advice like, hey, there's something going on in your life. You just got to meditate. Take it easy. Right. And for me, like, my mind has been in overdrive and, like, ruminating like crazy. Yeah. Uh, like, feeling a lot of, like, negative self-directed thinking mm. and not realizing it's because, like, what we talked about, like, many of us have very underdeveloped views around currency and earning and capital yeah. and money. 
And since we lack even that awareness, how are we going to have the dialogue and the vocabulary mm. um, so we can resolve it? Mm. And then, you know, compounded like, you know, feelings of loss, losing someone. Yeah. Uh, Let me ask you this question. I'm going to give you an idea. I was thinking about today and I'm writing something down, actually. Maybe this is what the podcast will get into is maybe uh, our manifestations. But, you know, my ex, what I would say to her, and, and this is something I'm working on myself and I'll say to you and share with you is, like I said to you, when gratitude begins, gossip ends. And the more you're grateful, the less you have to gossip. And gossip is complaining. You know, the more compassion you are towards yourself, the less chaotic the world is. So what I'm writing right now, what I would ask her to do is, what's your minimum, your medium, and your cherry on top lifestyle? And what I mean minimum is, what is your no holds barred minimum where I could do this and I can make this amount of money and I can have this amount of relationships and I could have, let's say, this hobbies and I'm okay. Like at the minimum, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, Correct. The medium right. is like, the medium's like, I'll give you an example. Minimum for me, I have my own studio. Well, actually, no, sorry. Minimum for me is I have my one bedroom. I'm good. Got it. Maybe a studio. I got to think about that. But let's say one bedroom. Okay. That's my minimum. 100%. That's minimum. Minimum. If I have a one bedroom, I'm good, homie. Like I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. And my ex, her minimum was a house. Yeah. Fair. Big difference. And that's fine. Listen, everyone's different. Yeah, right, fine. right. I also grew up in an apartment and my closest aunt grew up in a townhouse. So my cousins grew up in a townhouse. So for me, I was raised not to buy a home, actually. You know, my aunt and uncle were doctors, lived in a townhouse, a three-bedroom townhouse in Chicago, and still do after so many years. So, really? Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And they would spend money, like, on vacations, and they would spend money on food, but a townhouse, a three-bedroom townhouse, but of course it's bigger than most townhouses here, had a nice dining room, nice living room, huge kitchen, but it was nice, but it was a townhouse, and people would say, why do you, why do you buy a home? They say, we don't need a home. We bought a townhouse. Like, their mortgage was 450 bucks a month. And incredible and they, they bought it in nineteen like sixties, and they were the first people to live in this townhouse in this community called lake hinsdale now that had a huge impact on my life because i'm like wait a second they're very successful very wealthy and they decided they're very happy with what they have they don't need a house like they just don't wow. need it so what's your minimum and what i invite everyone to do is find their minimum and then find their minimum as far as dating what is the minimum you want in a relationship mm. and is the minimum having affection, having sex once a week, or is it, because that's also important for people. Is it having sex three times a week or four times a week? Or what's the minimum, like affection wise? Are you like, okay, I'm good. Like I don't have to worry about anything else. And then career and finances, you got to ask yourself, which you haven't done yet and I haven't done yet. And so this is something I'm really working on now. I'm like, what's the minimum I can make where I'm confident in myself and I'm able to because money is important. Currency is important. I don't care what anyone says. If you're in poverty, you're not going to have the confidence to get a girlfriend or a serious relationship. So you're going to be always, you know, it's going to be expectations and you're going to always have to be on the run to, to work and hustle. So I what's the minimum? For a second. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. I'm sending you a video right now. Remember we talked about um, 
Bruce Lipton. I told you about yeah. this guy. Yeah. He uh, I came across a video. I mean, found a video of his. I'm going to send it to you right now. Hold on. Sorry about that. That's his video, which I'm putting in the chat box. And it's called Money and Energy. Mm. And remember, he's a cell biologist. So he talks a lot about learning about how cells use energy, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, he brings it into consciousness uh, and how we, how we pattern our lives. And he said that essentially money is the energy of our lives. Mm. Without it, we can't participate. Yeah. Got it. The level of energy we have dictates the level of participation we can have. Got it. And that's even me. Like I'm clearly drained because of being in physical pain in multiple points in my body. And as you pointed out, Julia, it may have an ultimate cause in a thought process. Still, it's taking a lot of energy away from being in the present moment. Mm. Right? I wouldn't have said it. You know, I wouldn't just make up an excuse if it wasn't just like, dude, this is a huge burden on me right now. Yeah. Uh, so conversely, the same goes for money. Like not having the currency is saying I don't have enough energy to participate on a certain level. Yeah. In life. Hundred percent. You're right. So that's what this is. So this is what I'm saying about the minimum. That's why I I, I was. That's something I've been working on today. Is figuring out what the minimum is. Like, I gotta have a minimum of how much I'm willing to to make. That's it. There's no. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Are you taking notes? Yeah. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, man. Because I, th- I believe in purpose, and I believe in goal setting, and I believe in energy. So that's something that I have to work on, and that's what I'm working on today. That's why when you talked about you know the synchronicity of is when you talked about money, it's kind of like well, okay. That's why I asked you, well, how much was your goal? If you have no goals, you have no minimum. I think, you know, let's put it this way. If your minimum was 80,000 this year and my goal is, you know, minimum, you would have gotten that. Exactly. I really do think so. You would have gotten that. I think if there's no holds barred and you're like, dude, I have to do it, you would do it. And you do whatever you have to do to do it. Fair point. Um, I was, in fact, taught that. Almost don't even want to tell you this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that's why I like my brokerage is it's it's very in line with what you just said, which is like literally going down and breaking down the minute of your lives, which is very different from how I've thought, right? How many appointments per month equals how many conversions into actual listings equals, you know, what percent is that actually close and what percent of the closing do you make? Multiply that by 12 and there you go. There's your formula for how much you earn in a, in a calendar year, right? Got it. I can't assail that logic. It's totally true. I've just never thought like that before. Yeah. Right. So it's like bringing real structure and rigidity to your life. If you actually want to earn a certain amount of money, you have to have that structure. It's very simplistic. It's very, it's very interesting how simplistic it is. I'm coming from a perspective. And like I mentioned, the art and comedy where I like, I just show up somewhere and magic happens. Yeah. You used to put me in a room and I'd have everybody laughing. Yeah. Or you put me in front of a computer with right samples and I make a seven minute piece of music. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. Right. So my, there's a certain part of my brain that doesn't respond to structure and planning. It's like, there's a magic that exists in the universe and I can tap into some of it 
some of the yeah. time. And that's cool. Like we talked about the growth and, the, and some of the growing pains. The universe is like, that's cool, man. You need to learn how to live by a clock. Totally. Well, what if you have both? You'd be very, you'd be very successful. In fact, aren't the most successful people in any realm exactly that? Yeah. They can follow structure and yet they can also show up and channel magic. Yeah. I mean, right? Exactly. Chappelle, Meltzer, anyone you want to point at, if you go deep, like actually they're doing both. Yeah. I mean, there's structure to a tour, man. Excuse me? There's structure to a, to a comedy tour, the structure. Did I tell the story about how I bought tickets to see Chappelle and I missed seeing him? No. All right, so I bought tickets for Chappelle at Shoreline. Obviously, I mean, this was like three years ago. So he's just making his comeback, right? Mm. And I was super psyched. It was Chappelle, Nas, mm. and Lauren Hill. Can you believe this? Mm. Could not believe this lineup. I was super excited. And again, it was a Saturday. So I get home from work. Show started at like seven and i got work off work at six i get home like by 6 30 i'm fucking exhausted and i'm not making this up i i i'm not gonna i'm just gonna say it because it sounds hella stupid i was like bro they're like rappers and comedians they're not gonna be on time oh i get it right mm. i was like i'm gonna take a 30 minute nap wow so i, so I lay down i was exhausted i'm still mm. kind of regret it at this point still whatever what are you gonna do Mm -hmm. uh so i lay down and i get to the venue like 30 minutes late Chappelle had a 30 minute set and i missed it because wow. he, oh, oh only yeah. 30 oh, okay well because i was i was late and he was completely on time wow he was totally on schedule he showed up when he was supposed to show up he did a set and then he got off stage and by the time i got there i missed him i did see Nas and lauren hill however mm. their whole sets too bad, man. Well, yeah, it just um, it brings up the point or just the point that was brought up, being able to stick to a schedule and do magic are not mutually exclusive. You know, it's, it's interesting, though, because people, I wonder how many people see Chappelle and don't see his work habits or don't think about his work habits or work efforts coming on time, being there, and just see him being successful. Probably the majority of, of fans and, yeah. and consumers of entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, he's a genius. Oh, man. I told you, uh, you got my text? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I got your text. I got, I got to watch that bit. I just, I saw a little bit of it before, but I got to see it again because, yeah. Well, you know, he's brilliant because he's, the consciousness is, is I mean, he could, he would be great in any decade, but he's really taking control of this decade. This is his decade, this generation. Dude, he's gotten two decades. Yeah. <laughs> right? No, I mean, I should say generational-wise. He's, he's it. I think he's the only comedian I can think of who really speaks to multiple generations. Like, really? Because 2004, that clip? Yeah. Do you remember, do you remember the... Okay, you didn't see it. The, the crowd is roaring for like a minute. Got it. 4,000 people cannot contain themselves. They can't even start the interview. That's the energy he's bringing. Mm. And he's super nonchalant about it. It's incredible. Yeah. That's 2004. 2020, he shows up, you know, 2019, whatever, before shelter in place. He's still bringing that kind of energy. He's really the one that comedians right now that people are really are, have, are understanding his intelligence. 
right? A lot of other comedians are just funny, but there's something very consciousness about him. He's like a conscious comic and people understand that or getting that. Dude, he has so many levels that in order to begin. I was just thinking like there was this weird attempt by like right wingers to kind of adopt him. Yeah. You remember this? Like with the controversy around sticks and stones? Uh, No. He made trans jokes. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Right, and people were interpreting them as transphobic. Yeah. And, like, you have to literally have your head in the sand if you think that Dave Chappelle's transphobic. Yeah. Right? Like, you have to know nothing about this guy to think right. that he's bringing phobia in his in his humor. Right. Right? So there are people who are transphobic who are like, yeah, this is great. It's like, this is... And he, he knows this. He's so ahead of the, the game. He's like, this is great. I'm being adopted by people who would never listen to me talk about the black power movement. Yeah. Which he also talks about. Yeah. Interesting. Let me see. Let me play this clip real quick and see what it is. You're great. You're doing fantastic. It's just amazing. Yeah, First of I'm, all, I'm blown away oh. by what's happening to me this summer. It's Sorry, been incredible. Yeah. And I this is the right clip. The clip I was referring to is a different mm -hmm. clip from Conan from the same. Okay, yeah. Well, this is, a, this is the clip you showed me earlier, the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Okay, let me, yeah. let's just watch this real quick. I don't want to embarrass you, but that's part of my job. You made this deal everybody's been talking about, and no one deserves this more than you. Sometimes people oh, in right. show business make these deals, and you think, that's scum. But, uh, <laughs> Eric Estrada, what? Uh, I'm after Estrada. Um, he's getting away with murder. But no, but, but you made this deal, Comedy Central, huge deal, $50 million deal. Everybody's talking about it. What are you going to do with that money? How has this changed your life? Nothing's changed, man. <laughs> I spent a hundred grand on leather pants. <laughs> <laughs> but you were probably doing that before. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's all the same. I've, I've been giraffe shopping with the Jacksons. <laughs> but other than that, I, it's just it's the usual stuff. It's just that my old friends aren't into giraffes like I am now. Right. You know, they right. can't keep up with me. They can't keep up with you. It's just a difference. What about offers to do movies? You know, I mean, I know you've done movie work before, but now you're this hot. The phone's got to be ringing off the hook. Yeah, it's funny, because before I wasn't getting any movie offers, and now they, I get a lot of offers for, like, bad movies. Mm -hmm. Like those, those uh, Planet of the Apes-type roles. He <laughs> <laughs> saw that movie, Planet of the Apes, with Mark Wahlberg. The remake, yeah. Well, yeah, they're both racist to me, man. Like, <laughs> the first one was like, was like, you know, just get your damn dirty ape hands off me. I'm like, oh, come on, what are you really talking about? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> or like, and then I see the new one, I'm thinking, this is a more progressive time, this will not be as racist. And then they had the, the apes was sitting at dinner. Yeah, I'm not even making this up, they was eating watermelon. I was like, oh, come on, man. That's genius. Brilliant, huh? I mean, look at, look at the date and look at the view count. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This is done in 2000. What was this interview? Yeah, this is 2004, man. Now let's go. Let's go into. Let's go more into it. <laughs> so the apes, the water, uh -huh. 
And then, like, later on in the movie, they're running from the apes and, like, running in the water because the apes can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, oh, word. But see, these apes can talk, and, but they can't swim. <laughs> and then, uh, at the end, it's like, when I seen the ape smoking a Newport, I just got up. <laughs> That's genius. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Newport, dude. That's genius. <laughs> so that was 2004. So let me, what's the... It's actually a brilliant bit right there. Right? It is actually kind of true. It's just interesting that they would even do that, but he's right, 100%. He makes so many brilliant points. I was thinking about that. When he talks about it being allegedly more progressive time, mm. now look at today, 2020. He's talking right. about 2000. That's when that movie came out. Right. And there was still like not so subtle racism in the movie. And like, look at 2020. I mean, you'd think using that progressive linear logic, we'd be in a super progressive time. Right. Well, you know, the thing is, though, even that is what it shows you is Hollywood is run by white people, white men. So, a white man does not, a white viewer, in my opinion, who watches that Planet of the Apes would not notice an ape eating a watermelon and consider, consider that racist. Right. And in fact, they would get upset by the invocation of the analogy. Absolutely. Anyone who said it other than Chappelle, they would be judged. Right. In my opinion. That's not good. That's another thing that's changed since I made all this money. I stopped smoking uh, menthol. There you go. <laughs> I didn't stop smoking, but I, you know, I don't smoke anything that they market to black people. Really? That's where the poison is, as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make it that easy, baby. I, I keep them confused. I, I'll smoke stuff like Virginia Slims. I look at the box like, nobody's gonna hurt this white woman. Give me two pages. <laughs> that's genius, man. <laughs> That's literally 90% of why I sent you this clip was that joke right there. That's brilliant. <laughs> How, uh, what's the other clip? Wait, let me go on. Let me go on with this clip. Let me see. <laughs> not right. You know, you know, I just, smoking is bad, everybody. Kids, if you're watching, don't smoke. But it's pretty funny to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, I don't want to pry, but but uh, I'm gonna take a shot at this. Who are you gonna vote for in this election? You know, it's funny. I was really into Kerry. Mm-hmm. Then when I got all this money, I was, now Bush is looking a little better <laughs> than I got this money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm torn. It changes. I mean, I'm black. <laughs> I'm black yet I'm rich now, so I just got all the feelings I have inside. I don't know. <laughs> Do. Which one of these white people gonna take care of me? You gonna be in that voting booth with your Virginia Slims, <laughs> thinking about it? In my leather pants and ascot. <laughs> Giraffe's gonna lean in. Hurry up! Let's go. Now, are you gonna be a charitable person now? Is this gonna, you know, and maybe you were before, but do you think you're- it's amazing? This clip's amazing because this is before he walked away, right? And so they don't know. So this script is fascinating. You go back in time and go, wait, he just walked away like a couple months after this. Right. And all that money. And, and if you look at Conan, Conan's really focused on the money. He's not really focused on the art or the comedy or the craft. Right. 
he's just talking about how much money he's making and how he's a big star now and um, hasn't right. yet to this point in the interview has never asked about his craft humor he's working on skits he's working on new material new ideas none of that has uh come up it's just about his currency can i say two things to that yeah that's 99.99 percent of everyone who interviewed him mm-hmm. even to this day now it's finally changing it took over 10 years for people to ask him about his craft mm. uh so yeah i've watched a lot of clips from this era it's all the same thing 50 million 50 million 50 million beat over the head Second thing is, I think I may have mentioned this to you before, Autobiography of Malcolm X. Have you ever read mm-hmm. that book? No. It's a must read. Uh, a lot of great dental pain advice in that book too. Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. Uh, Malcolm X says, who, someone, I think so, it may have been James Baldwin who wrote the book with him, said, who's your favorite interviewer? Well, we talked about this. Because you go know- further. Go Go further. Tell it, tell it, tell her, tell everyone what who what he said. Mike Wallace, got it. Because Mike Wallace was the only one who asked him about any topic outside of the Black Power movement or the African American civil rights struggle. Hmm. He was the only interviewer who asked Malcolm X, "What is your opinion on the space program?" Hmm. At that time, what Malcolm X is saying is he was the only person who cared about my opinion about anything other than what I was pigeonholed into having an opinion about. Exactly. What he's really saying is he actually gave a, gave a rat's ass about who I was and was curious enough about who I was as a person, not just what my opinions are in one singular field. Even deeper than that, like black people are not allowed to have more opinions. Excuse me. Black people are not allowed to have opinions about anything other than black matters. Yeah. Right. Like the space program, as you mentioned white men and what they work on space program is not for black people you're not supposed to have an opinion about this that's for us not for you well you know the thing about mike wallace he's on 60 minutes his uh you know ed bradley was the first african-american journalist on 60 minutes but he was the first african-american washington journalist he's the first one who did the white house uh he was, white, he was the first White House journalist who was African-American. He would say that he just wanted to be a journalist and he would always be pigeonholed as the first African-American journalist who was a White House correspondent. Right. Um, so yeah, and by the way, Mike Wallace, you know, his son's Chris Wallace, right? Yep, yep, yep. And you know that, and I was telling you the story how Mike Wallace would sometimes steal Chris Wallace's ideas. The father would steal from the son or son would yeah. steal from the father? Father would steal from the son ideas. Got it, got it. Interview ideas. <laughs> Think about that family, the brutalness, stealing from your own son. Yeah. Well, you got to stay hip and relevant. Got to stay hip. Well, you know, you got to have some competition somewhere. Right. Let's go on with this. You're going to try and help the people around you? Well, since I've joined the Republican Party, no. I'm not. <laughs> That's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, They'll take care of themselves. Nah, man, I'm, I, yeah, I'm pretty charitable. There was, matter of fact, there was a guy that used to live in front, I, and he wasn't, I shouldn't say lived, he was homeless, obviously homeless. He used to stay in front of my apartment. And one night I was coming home from shooting late and I saw him, it was cold out, he's shivering. I, so I just gave him $20, which is something I didn't think about. Just get something to eat, man, whatever. 
and he was so grateful. I'll never forget. He was just like, thank you, brother. This means a lot. I'll never forget you. And people say that all the time. This guy never forgot. As a matter of fact, he came to my house every day after that. <laughs> knocking on the door, he's like, come on, man, I just need some money. I can get something to eat. And he's shivering. I'm like, come on, dog, it's July, for real. What you, what you want? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, please. So he's hungry. I'm not going to turn away a hungry person. And I'm like, well, what, what are you trying to eat? He's like, what? Uh, a burger. I'm, I need a burger. But I'm like, I need... More information. Do you want cheese on it? Do you want fries? Different burgers cost different amounts, right? I need to know mm -hmm. how much money to give you. He's like, I want some crack, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I want some crack. Maybe some fries, too, but mostly crack. You were wasting the guy's time. He yeah. had business to do. <laughs> I felt bad. But then I'd see him and I'd try to, like, encourage him, like, you know, when I'm coming out. Like, you can beat that crack. And I guess that's like an annoying thing to say to a crack addict because he's just like, all right. <laughs> Easier said than done. Thank you very much for that encouraging word. Until you mentioned it, it never occurred to me. <laughs> now, I can't believe this, but you were invited to go to the Republican convention. That's true? Well, not, no, kind of. What happened was I was doing that Anderson Cooper show. Right. So Anderson was tied up at the convention. He's like, can we come interview you on the floor at the Republican convention? Which is too much attention for me. I mean, any black dude that walks in there is going to have a million cameras on. If Bigfoot walked in at the same time, they'd be like, Bigfoot's over. Dave Chappelle at the... <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot is taking a seat with the Colorado de delegation. And... Dave Chappelle's a black person at the convention. <laughs> Now, how are your, and again, this is about your life, but, but uh, I know you got, you got two boys. Yeah, man. These did guys. I just you, did, you know, like I just reminded you. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I'm always probably surprised because he's like, finally, you actually asked me something. Look how much he uh, lightens up. Yeah, 80% of the interview is, is the usual. Yeah. Well, it's, it's already, so let me, what's the other clip you wanted? Uh, it's also from, maybe if you scroll down on the right here, you might see it. Yeah. It's also a Conan interview. That's so, a Conan interview. Yeah, I guess let's go back up and type in Conan. It's from Wait, the same one, era, I think. This one down there, maybe let's see. Doesn't like being called crazy? Yeah, this is it. Is that it? That's it. Everything you need to make the holidays feel magical with a little help from HP. When you buy any HP Envy printer this holiday season, get three. What's that? This is 2006. So this okay. is. Three months of free access to Canva Pro and three months of free instant ink. Now through January 15th, happy crafting. My first guest is the funniest comedian on the planet. His film, Dave Chappelle's Block Party, will be available June 13th on DVD. Please welcome Dave Chappelle.
Wow. You know what I love? You know what I love is your reaction, your reaction to 4,000 people cheering you is like, oh yeah, hi. <laughs> What to do? I, yeah. I, I, I forgot what that was like. <laughs> You've been away for a while, yeah. It was it was quiet in yeah. Africa. Yeah, there was some quiet time there. We got a lot to talk about here. I haven't seen you in in a long time. First of all, what have you been up to? What's what's Dave Chappelle been doing with himself? Nothing, nothing. This guy screwing out. So this is 2006. So this is right after he left. We walked away, right? For, okay, this is what it says. Walked away from 15 million dollars. His growing experience in Africa and why being called crazy makes him feel liberated. Season three, good, yeah, good to yeah. see. What's that? I mean, you heard that crowd, right? Yeah, out of control. Unreal. Yeah. Nice try, Comedy Central. Yeah, that's one of their executives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need the dough. Come on. I, I've been, I've been really just relaxing. And just try and stay out of trouble. Right, right. That's Good right. Thing to do. Because I see, you know, I mean, you know, being a celebrity, your your realm of getting in trouble is is worse than the average person. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the average dude got to go out and look for trouble. I'd be sitting around mind my own business, and dude come up, hey man, you're Dave Chappelle. I'm like, yeah, what's up, man? He's, hey, I got 12 naked bitches in a hot air balloon. You trying to roll with me? <laughs> next time, uh, right? <laughs> I need to get out of the house once in a while. That's why I just stay in the house. Yeah. It's, and it's funny, because like, when I come out, everybody screams. But when I go home, it's not like that. When that, you go home, I mean, that's the thing that's important to remember, is that when you go home, it's a different situation, right? I, yeah, my kids don't even care. They're like, oh, Mr. Promise is back from the road. <laughs> Did you forget all them toys you promised us, Mr. Promise? <laughs> And then my wife's still a little salty at me. She's, uh, she's not happy with you right now? I mean, she's not mad at me, but don't think you're gonna walk away from $50 million and your wife's just gonna be cool with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's an angle I hadn't thought about, yeah. Oh, it was crazy. I, I thought I was gonna get the Jerry Maguire, baby, you can be anything you wanna be speech. Yeah. It didn't pan out. No. <laughs> It was more like purple rain around my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what it sounds like when yeah. the doves cry. Now, okay, I've known you for a long time. You've been coming on our show for a long time. I've bumped into you in the street sometimes in New York. You're, you're a very normal, down-to-earth guy. You really do seem like you're very unaffected by all this. Do you think that's fair? I'm a little weird, but I'm quirky. Yeah. But, like, but yeah, my life is pretty normal. Like. Like, I get amazed by this, too. I was in L.A. doing the Grammys. You know, I wear, I wear wet clothes. I'm on TV in a T-shirt now. Mm-hmm. So I had to get some clothes for the Grammys. So I went to one of these nice Beverly Hills stores. They had, like, a, a restaurant in the store. I never ate soup at a clothing store before. <laughs> but it was real baller. And I'm eating soup, and I, I look across the room, and, and I see Jessica Simpson. Uh-huh. So I'm like, oh, I'm like, that's Jessica Simpson. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm famous, baby. So... <laughs> that's right. You could... Yeah, so I, I You could go like, up and say something. Well, or... I, that's what I decided. Now, I don't normally do this, but it was Jessica Simpson. I said, let me just see, you know, what's going on. So I, I went up, I'm like, uh, hi, Jessica Simpson. Uh, I didn't know what to say. I'm like, my name's Dave Chappelle. I was like, I- I'm on TV, too. Yeah. <laughs> 
And she was like, I know who you are. And I was like, I knew it, bitch. I didn't say that to her. <laughs> You know what he's very good at is relatability. Storytelling is fan. He's fantastic at it. He's like a master at it, where he tells these stories, these and these experiences, and you could literally see yourself doing exactly what he's doing or seeing him doing it. And that's why I think people are so crazy about him. Is exactly what you just said. Right. Even Letterman said that uh, on the uh, his latest interview, which is as a communicator, you are unparalleled in your craft. Got it. Yeah. I mean, what an incredible thing for a black man to hear, right? right. Uh, being knowing he's part of a group that's at the at the marginal ends of communication, right? Who listens to black people? Who takes them seriously? Right? Who wants to hear what they have to say outside of uh, entertainment? Correct. Who cares? Right. And the world cares when this guy tells a story about eating soup in a store. Right. <laughs> it stops time. It's right, incredible. exactly. Well, it's all relatable, though. I mean, part of him being an average, normal person is what makes him so appealing, is that he, he's, you realize he's just sort of like you, and that's what makes him so appealing as well. Well, he's like you, and he's also this crazy, imaginative genius. Right. Right? It, what, he's a mix of both. He's so relatable. And so unassuming, and yet he has like his. Yeah, and here I am, just fawning over the dude. His brain is incredible. Yeah. Again, like who from two thousand six, two thousand four, can post a clip? Who who's an active community that can post a clip from that era and then get two million views in a month? Right. Correct. Let's go on with this. I was, I was, I was you like, got excited, yeah. Okay. I was on corn. I was like, well, I'm a big fan of your work, which felt weird saying, you know, because right, right. that's not true. <laughs> but uh, I'm, not, I'm not dogging her music. I, right. I don't know her music. I'm talking about the Newlywed show. You know right, what I mean? Right. I've been a Newlywed. It's nothing like that show. <laughs> <laughs> and I made a show about my first year of marriage be called Bitch, You Tricked Me. <laughs> But, but if you're a fan, you're a romantic it, fool, yeah. I, no, no, I'm, I love, I'm crazy yeah, yeah, about my yeah. wife. That's why I see these jokes. I, me and my wife. I, well, you stop shouting at me. I'm talking. <laughs> uh -huh. But, uh, but, but, I'll, I'll, all right, thank you. Yeah. I, so, what well, is the end of the story? Yeah. Well, the crazy part is, you know, she was real nice. If you're a fan of hers, you'll be happy to know she was great. And uh, when I sat back down, as a matter of fact, I was finishing my soup up, and she was leaving. This was crazy. She came up to me as she was leaving. She was like, bye, Dave Chappelle. It's nice to meet you. And she, she gave me some, some sugar. Just a little. She, she gave you a kiss? Yeah, which was crazy. Because I opened my mouth a little bit. I had. <laughs> Let's get into this now, because uh, everyone wants to, to hear what, what's been going on. You, uh, you disappeared for a while. People, people were saying, where's Dave? Where's Dave Chappelle? Where's he going? And then uh, it turns out you took a trip to Africa. Is that true? Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't like they said. Right. Because like, the stories were, I mean, the stories, as you know, you're hearing all kinds of stuff on the news. It was crazy, man. Well, I, I mean, first I went to Africa to chill. And I tell you, you hear a lot of black people say this 
Like when you go to Africa, especially your first time, you have this overwhelming feeling like you're home, which is true. I, I, I had that feeling like, man, this feels like home. I think I felt that way because um, there's a McDonald's in the airport. <laughs> man, that's the way I felt when I was in India, bro. Remember I told you? I can't hear you. That's how I felt when I was in India. Remember I told you? When you went to the McDonald's? Yeah, totally. Well, when there's McDonald's there, but when the feeling of home, the feeling of being somewhere where you're accepted. I know exactly what he's talking about. It's incredible. It's, and I didn't really realize it then. Then I was living in LA. You know, I, was, I went to India early on in my life, but I get what he's talking about. Imagine even him being at that level of success and what he went through and all the stigma he went through and the judgment he went through with the show and without the show and going somewhere and it's just the most, he couldn't go anywhere else in America because everyone would, would probably ask him all the time about the money and what happened and why, what's he doing? Exactly. So I got my Big Mac. <laughs> but then it was like, it got, it just got out of control. Like I was in Africa and next thing I know, I started hearing all the stories like comedian Dave Chappelle's in a mental institution in, in South Africa. And I was like, man, I must be losing my mind. Because yeah. I thought this was the beach. <laughs> yeah. And everybody calls me crazy. You know, I mean, uh -huh. it, it yeah, was people, just... You're hearing on the news things like he's gone crazy, which uh, never sounded, that didn't sound right, you know? And well, you what... know, maybe I know stuff people don't want me to talk about. So right. they, oh, we're going to let other people believe. So they'll call me crazy. Mm -hmm. But it was a weird thing to get called crazy. At first, it was scary. And then, now I feel like it's liberating. Like, I feel free, like I can just say what I want to do what I want. They already call me crazy. <laughs> I can't hold myself accountable for these things. I'm crazy. I can't yeah, be, yeah, I can't yeah, be fault. Yeah. Couldn't control myself. Yeah, yeah. What but, was, was there, was there a, I mean, uh, what was the reason that you went to Africa? Was there a reason that you decided to go to Africa? Well, there are a few reasons, but I mean, you know, if you a black dude trying to hide, Africa is a good place. It's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, I can't spit my profile. Yeah. So I, I was, I it's was, like, I'm going to go to Ireland and try and hide Africa. <laughs> argy bargy, <laughs> It was, I had, man, I had a good time. And another thing I loved about Africa was the people, you know, they were so warm and, and like, I was, I was talking to them about my problems and they listened like, they don't know nothing about Chappelle show. So just listening, I'm like, man, you know, I had this show and I felt like people was trying to control me. I was freaked out. I don't know, I just had to get out of there. I just walked away. Says $50 million, it's all gone. I'm scared. And, I was, and they was, hey, they said, hey, they did all this to you, brother. I said, that's how I be doing in America. They said, that's messed up, man. They said, but here in Africa, we have a, a philosophy that helps us get through things like this. You always got to remember one thing when you go through these problems, Dave. And I said, what's that, brother? And he said, I ate a dog today. <laughs> Just grow up. Get over grow yourself. Up, yeah. Get over yourself. <laughs> you don't want $50 million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boo-hoo, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> get, get over yourself. Yeah. That's brilliant. Well, I, don't that... think a lot of I don't think a lot of people understood that joke. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah. He had to explain that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Get over yourself. <laughs> It happens, man, you know, but, but it was a, it was definitely a, a, what you call it, a growing experience, that's mm -hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know. And it does feel like it's liberated you, not to get too heavy, but it does feel like this whole thing has freed you up a little bit, you know? Sure, excuse me one second. That'll be the clip they use on the news. Dave is on Conan. He's lost his mind. 
We were right. He's gone crazy. Uh, I'm going to mention this. Dave Chappelle's Block Party uh, by Michelle Gondry. I mean, this is great. This is coming out on DVD. And it's going to be uh, available on uh, June 13th. And I got to tell you... Um, it is, a, it is a real pleasure. Just, I mean, I say this all the time on the show. I say it's a real pleasure to have you come on the program. But I wrote you a little note, and everybody wants to talk to Dave Chappelle. I wrote you a little. Let me uh, go to a, another bit, just real quick. Do you see the the Netflix special? Do you oh, remember, of course. Remember Jesse uh, Smollett? Dude, this is such an incredible clip. Okay. So just some it's that uh, black actor, right? Who said he was, um, what, what did he say he was? He was walking down and he had two white dudes in MAGA hats. Um, what did they do? They, they attacked him and then they, what did they do exactly? Yeah, he was, I think they had bleach. Oh yeah, bleach. And they couldn't find it. And then, you know, well, first of all, when that incident happened, I was like, there's something sketchy because I used to live in Chicago. The weather there was like negative 20 degrees at that time. Like no one's going to be walking around negative 20 degree weather trying to mug somebody. Right. (laughs) Right. Like negative 20 degree weather. People, even criminals are like, dude, I can't, I can't do this. Like I can't go outside. That's like, that's it's at least criminals actually have some sort of sanity when it comes to weather. Right. You don't see like criminals in negative 20 degree weather going outside trying to mug people because no one's outside. No one's going to be outside. Right. Let's see this just afraid of being attacked happens to the best don't ever forget what happened to that french actor you know what i'm talking about juicy smoothier he's a very french very famous french actor y'all never heard of juicy smoothier Joseph Mouillet is an actor from France. And, and he became famous on a show called Empire. One night, he was in Chicago late at night and was the victim the victim of a, a racist and homophobic attack. You see, Juicy Smouillet is <laughs> gay and he is black, not just French. <laughs> oh, it was a crazy story. Apparently, when he was walking down the street late at night, two white men came out of the shadows uh, with MAGA hats on and beat him up tied a rope around his neck, called him all kinds of niggas, and, and put some bleach on him and ran off into the night. <laughs> this shit was like international news. And everybody was furious, especially in Hollywood. It's all over everybody's Twitter feed and Instagram page, justice for Juicy and all this shit. The whole country was up in arms. He was talking about it all the time on the news. And, and for some reason, uh, African-Americans, we were like oddly quiet. <laughs> we were so quiet about the shit. 
The, the gay community started accusing the African-American community of being homophobic for not supporting him. What they didn't understand is that we were supporting him with our silence. <laughs> because we understood that this nigga was clearly lying. None of these details added up at all. You know, his transformation is amazing. Just how much he's grown in the last 10 years, just comedy wise and just consciousness wise. Right. I could just see a huge shift from where he was. I think, you know, he's just, it seems like he's just really comfortable in his own body now, in his own mindset. I think he seems to me, and you could give me your thoughts on this. I think it was a little surprised about the reaction the Chappelle show got. I don't think he thought it was going to be a $50 million. I didn't think, I don't think he thought it or was his goal to be the best comedian or the greatest TV show ever. He just did it and it became really huge. I think he was very shocked and surprised about the results and the judgments he got when he turned down the 50 million from not just white actors, but African-American actors. So it seems like in the last 10 years, he's really sort of been like, wait a second, I don't need, corporate money. I don't need corporate Hollywood money. I could do what I want to do, do my specials. And he seems more authentically himself, being himself, doing his own specials. Perfectly said. I, I think what you're picking up on is a one word and it's wise. Mm. I mean, he's in his what, early thirties. Uh, if that, and he was pretty young. And being offered that amount of money, mm. still super funny, still very conscious, very aware, no doubt of any of mm. that. The person right now has an incredible amount of lived wisdom that he has with him. Mm. And that's just what happens when you're alive. Mm. Yeah. But I think it helped that he went to the Midwest, he went to Africa, he was not in LA the whole time. That's really helped out because what happens is, there's a level of presence in other areas in small towns in the Midwest. You can just be yourself. And I often wonder this about comedians. We can maybe talk about this in the future in another episode about comedians from big cities and comedians not from big cities. If you look at comedians from like New York City and Jersey and you see comedians because they're around normal people. They're able to observe normalcy as far as you know, kids, families, the highs and lows, divorces, uh, breakups, what have you, weddings. But in LA, you're almost not able to see everything the way, you know, you're not, you're not an observer of reality because everything's non-real. Non Good point. He said he's walking down the street in Chicago and, and uh, white dudes come up to him and say, hey man, aren't you that faggot nigger from Empire? The <laughs> fuck? Does that sound like how white people talk? No white people. They don't talk like that. Are you that faggot nigga from Empire? They would never say that. It sounds like something that I would say. <laughs> if you're racist and homophobic, you're not even gonna know who this nigga is. You can't watch Empire. <laughs> But 
white people never feel sorry for the police, but this time we even felt sorry for the police. Can you imagine if you was a police veteran taking this kid's police report? Okay, Mr. Smoulier, please tell me what happened. All right, 2 a.m. We left the house at 2 a.m. It's minus 16 degrees. You were walking. You were walking. All right. And, and where were you going? Subway. Sandwiches? That's when the men approach you? Did you see them? Do you have any? Okay, what, what do they have on? MAGA hats! MAGA hats on in Chicago? Excuse me one second, Mr. Smoot. Yeah. Frank, come here for a second. Find out where Kanye West was last night. Genius, man. That, you know, he's really good at the end. Like, he's, that, like you are a fan of comedy, correct? I would say so. Yeah, like you, I mean, you, you know your comedy. I don't know my comedy as much, but you know your comedy. It seems to me, just watching a couple of these, his clips, what makes him, I mean, there's a lot of things that makes him special, but what makes him really sort of uniquely special is he almost has like the M. Night Shyamalan sort of energy as far as, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, that director has that energy where, well, at least he did for the first couple of movies where what's the surprise? Like, what's the catch, right? For him, he has that. Like, it seems like his jokes, I never would have seen that Kanye West. Kanye. His jokes are totally unpredictable. Completely would never have seen that Kanye. And now I would have seen him talking like he talked. I would have seen him, you know, negative 16 degrees. You're out subway. Like, you know, that's kind of funny. I mean, maybe not subway, but like a sandwich, like, you know, but I never would have seen that. I never would have seen him saying that's something I would say. Yeah. I wouldn't, I don't see any other comedian really saying that. He and he's so meta about what you just said. One of my favorite bits of his is where he talks exactly about that. Where he says mm-hmm. how he's so good at writing jokes, he comes up with the punchline first and then the joke. And oh, really? To do that, dude, I won't even give it. I won't spoil it for you. You have to. You'll find it. It's one of it. If it's not from this, um, it's from one of the newer standups. Yeah. Oh, um, it's a standup or is it an interview? No, it's standup. It's a bit he does from one of the last few uh, that he did. Uh, you can just probably type in like his name and punchline. Uh, I'm going to wrap up here. Still, it's it speaks to exactly that. that yeah. yeah, exactly. The impossible punchline. You got to watch this one. We can talk about it next time. Yeah. So, exactly. what do you think about this idea? Because I, I mean, I did this sort of on purpose. We're supposed to talk about Sikhism, but what's your thoughts on what we just did? Great, loved it. Thank you. Um, so. Let's, uh, I, I still want to do the thing on Sikhism with you. So we can maybe do that next week if you're available next week. Um, Yo, let's do that. Um, because I really want to do that because I still definitely want to do that. But I also want to really, let's get really think about having a podcast together. And I like the idea and what the, my idea is. This is my idea. I want to pitch to you. I want you to think, really think about it this week and we could, you know, start doing it because um, come up with an icon. We can do com- comedians. I'm not really a huge com- comedy fan, but this will be fun. Do like a Dave Chappelle, 
right? And we could do something like the thoughts, uh, the mind behind Dave Chappelle. And we play his clips, we play his interviews, and we just observe and we talk about in a dialogue what we think about it. I love it. And then we do like Louis C.K., we can do Seinfeld, we give a brief history, and then we can just go into other stuff like Malcolm X interviews. We're like, oh, dude, what do you think about that interview? Like, oh, shit. Did this interview with Mike Wallace and he was asked this question or this question and and we could go into into that so and we can play around with it i love it you know because i don't know if anyone's really doing that now but it doesn't really matter but i think what i love about this idea is that you and i don't have to speak that much what i love about this idea is you can have a podcast out there and you could have 50 percent of it six percent of the clips that people would actually listen to right that you know, a lot of people get bored because I think everyone thinks they're interesting, but they're not as interesting as someone's personal life. And right now everyone has their cell phones. They can just talk to their friend or text or Snapchat or take selfies, which is more interesting than people. But if you have like a Dave Chappelle and you put it on Instagram or Facebook or social media, what have you, or YouTube, but you go be the mind behind Dave Chappelle, the mind behind Louis CK, the mind behind Seinfeld, the mind behind Larry David. And we just pick out comedians where it's not like a, interview show where we're interviewing comedians but we do the mind behind something like that where we talk about we can do scientists we can do doctors we could do journalists and you know john stewart we can do interviews and talk about his interviews and why we like him. i mean letter even letterman we could go through his letterman series and what what we liked about the questions we liked and why we like it and why we don't like it yeah it's a great idea i mean even just speaking personally my whole affect has changed my back is not as in pain Mm. my face feels better mm, yeah it definitely feels like this is part of releasing a lot of this psychic energy yes through comedy through observation uh it's in a way it's like feeling a little bit of joy well your connection is your connection is creativity homie that's how you connect to the world that's how you connect to the soul we all connect to the soul differently some people unfortunately connect through drum even though they seriously should connect to something else, some people connect through drama. Like I said, some people connect through sex and some people need to be in relationships. And when they're in a relationship, they feel this abundance, this joy, like the euphoria of like, of just a, like complete love. For us, you and I, our connection is creativity. And when we do creativity, and we definitely, and when, if we do it in a community, things are going well, or we feel better. This is our therapy. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, me too. I, I got ahead. Yep. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you um, next week. I'm gonna stop this. I'm gonna stop recording, and I'm gonna actually share this with you. Okay. And uh, you could just hear it. Be like, oh yeah, I like that. Let's think about. It. Sounds good, man. Okay, dude. Talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye.